0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neil. Oh my god, guys, this is really exciting. I have to stop myself from shouting really loud. <laughs> I feel like when I get excited, I just start screaming and then it's really jarring to listen to for you guys. But basically this week I am recording, I always say filming, I'm recording the podcast in an apartment in Leeds City Centre, which is really exciting. So basically this company I don't know if any of you have heard of them called Moda Living they have like apartments all over the UK in all the kind of main cities and they've got ones in Leeds and I think they keep a percentage of them over not over like they keep you know, they don't do long-term rentals on every single apartment to keep some free for like short-term and even day rentals for things like, you know, filming movies, TV stuff, content creators, loads of different types of things, I think. Yeah, they, they said I could come record the podcast from here. So right now, I am sitting on an apartment on the ninth floor of a Emoto Living in New York Square in Leeds, looking over the whole of Leeds. And it is absolutely stunning. Blue skies. I'm living my best life here. <laughs> But yeah, I'm actually, I'm so happy about it. Do you know what? I was editing last week's episode and I just thought, fuck, I sound like, I just sound really unenthusiastic and almost a bit down. Like I thought I sounded a bit depressed in last week's episode, but that wasn't reflective of my mood whatsoever. I was actually, like, I didn't want everyone to listen to that and be like, fuck, she's in a bad place now that she's back in Leeds. I was actually in a good place, but it really didn't sound like I was. And I think what it was down to was the fact that it was my first week back and I was recording in my student room again. And I'm just so paranoid about making too much noise and like everyone in the flat being able to hear me and also I don't know I just I think I was like kind of tiptoeing around when I was recording it it resulted in a podcast I wasn't really that happy with like obviously I still posted it because it was a girly chats one That the advice I gave didn't change it was more the sound of me in it that I didn't like so this is really cool and hopefully I can try and get this organized for every week so I can just be more myself with you guys because I think that's the issue is that I just feel like sometimes when I'm in a flat where everyone can hear me, it's hard to just be yourself and just be loud and laugh. And I don't know, it just feels a bit awkward or something. So big shout out to Modal Living for letting me use one of your gorgeous apartments. When did I last speak to you? Oh, I last spoke to you before I went to London. I had a nice weekend in London. It was very chill. I was talking about how I was a bit anxious to drink for the first time and I actually didn't really end up drinking. I had two beers I was really hesitant right basically it got to the Saturday night and I was like oh come on Emma I'd kept it very low-key the whole weekend all I'd done was just kind of walk around dander go do a bit of shopping go out for coffee that type of thing go out for food and then I got to Saturday and well to be fair a lot of my friends that do live in London weren't actually there that weekend but a couple of them were and I ended up going to the pub I had my first drink my, the first drink I started off on was a 0% beer because I, I always think that's a good shout to start off your first drink as a 0% one, right? And then by the time you get to the end of that drink, you've had the time to kind of stew over whether you think the vibes are good enough for you to have an alcoholic drink, whether you think it's actually worth it or if you're happy enough to stick to the 0 percents. So I did that and then I ended up having two normal beers, and then that was me. And even that, I was just kind of like, well, that was kind of a bit pointless. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe they should have just been 0% ones. Although the pub I was at, they only had 0% Heineken and this uh, Brewdog one. I'm a big fan of Brewdog, but I did not like this 0% beer. It was called Nanny something. I really didn't rate it that much. And also I just don't like Heineken. So I did actually try the 0% Heineken and I thought it was stinking, but like I don't like regular Heineken anyway, so I don't know what I was expecting. But overall I had a really nice time. I went to Dishoom for the first time. If anyone's been to London, I'm sure you've probably heard of Dishoom. I feel like it always comes up in people's recommendations and online recommendations. It kind of just comes up everywhere and I don't know why I'd never been to it. It's always kind of been on my list of options of places to go to when I've been in London, but for some reason I've never ended up going there and I went for the first time and oh my god, it was incredible the food was so nice they have a whole vegan menu as well so if you're vegan it's stunning it's just really good kind of do you know what there's probably people listening to this that are going to be like tashim is not authentic but it's just incredible quite different indian food like more street food but also It's quite fancy in a way. I don't know how to describe it, but it's incredible. You can go and just get like small plates or you can go and like share things. They've got some bigger plates as well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. What else did I get up to? Oh, I had a really fun time going into the Lazy Oaf store, trying on literally everything in the shop. Fuck, I love it in there. It's like my little, I don't know, it's like my dream shop. It's like heaven if I was to create it. And actually by chance, the brand Peachy Den, If you know that, they were having a pop-up that weekend. So I was buzzing. I was like, oh my God, amazing. Peachy Down pop-up, the one weekend I'm in London, I'm going to go. I was like, I'll get there half an hour early because I feel like, you know, there's a bit of hype around this. They were doing this thing where they designed this new bag and it was being launched in this pop-up store and every, or for the first 75 customers were getting the bag for a fiver. To kind of, you know, create the hype around it, get the queues coming because only 75 people are going to get the fiver deal. And then after that, it's 75 quid. So I was like, I'll get there half an hour early. It'll be fine. I got there and the queue, I've never seen anything like it. It was hundreds of meters long and people came up to me and said they'd been waiting in it for an hour and a half at that point in the freezing cold. So I was like, absolutely not. Also, I so the day before, basically, I think on the Friday, I'd been out and about the place. I always get so hot and flustered when I'm in London because, well, first of all, it's not actually as cold, I find, as anywhere else in the UK. And I don't know if that's just because it's not, because it's more south, or I don't know if it's because of pollution. Whatever it is, I just find London in general a lot warmer. And then throw that in with like. Being on and off the tubes and in and out of warm shops. Like the tubes are so sweaty, even in the midst of winter. So on the Friday being out and about, like on and off the tubes, in and out of shops, into restaurants and things. I was a sweaty mess. I got it was horrible I haven't felt like that in so long and I was sitting on the tube on the way home and I could feel the sweat trickling down my back and I was like oh my god this is disgusting I literally can't remember the last time I've sweat like this since I was literally in India and that's justifiable because it was 40 degrees there so then on the Saturday, I was like, fuck that. I'm not bringing my big coat again. and not having that hot and flustered, sweaty feeling walking around London. So I didn't. I just wore a jumper and that was the day of the peachy den thing. And I was completely fine in the jumper as long as I was moving. And as long as I was like in a shop or if I was outside, it was fine if I was moving. But if I had to stand in that queue, I think I would have been frozen. But was actually a good shot, you know, because then I wasn't really overwhelmed and stuff on the tubes. I don't know how Londoners do it. I'm not going to lie. It just gets so overwhelming. And then combine like the heat and the sweatiness with the crowds. Oh God. So I've actually discovered since I last spoke to you that there are a lot of uni strikes going on. As in the lecturers are striking. No, I'm all for the strikes. Don't get me wrong. Everyone. Yeah, you do your thing. You go on strike. You get that pay pop off but um, I didn't really realize that it was gonna affect any of my classes they don't really tell you or I don't I guess you just don't really find out until closer to the time like we knew strikes were going on but there's been strikes going on before and it's actually never affected any of my classes so it kind of depends you know what union your lectures are in also what days the strikes are happening and what classes you have on on those days obviously so (laughs) I went into class literally right after I recorded the podcast last week, went into uni to find out that that I actually didn't have class. So, I see, this is the thing. Some teachers will tell you and they want to make your life easier. You know, they'll email you, they'll tell you what the crack is, that you don't have class or maybe that you've got it online instead. And some are opting for the more like striking is supposed to be problematic. It's supposed to be inconvenient for everyone, which I completely get. So in this case that was what was happening Uh, and when they are trying to make it as inconvenient as possible and problematic that's when they they don't tell you anything so basically you rock up to class and you you know make your way into campus which is fine for me because it's literally a 10 minute journey and 10 minutes home and actually in this case there's a the same class running at the same time and the other lecture isn't striking so we were actually just able to sit in on the other class and it was grand however you know if that wasn't the case you we would have just shown up found out they were striking and then just had to leave again which is so annoying for people that live far away or are traveling from home and stuff i mean again i completely get it like i understand why it's probably more beneficial and it's gonna it's gonna get better outcomes or maybe they're gonna react quicker if strikes are more inconvenient and problematic so i do get it but yeah It's just annoying that I've literally flown back from Belfast to now find out that I have pretty much no classes, Um, so I'm going to go home. (laughs) Last week, I was like, yeah, back in Leeds as of the other day, and this week, I'm like, I'm going home. I really, I just don't stick about here for very long, do I? Do you know what, though? I low-key want to stay in Leeds this time. I have got into a really good kind of pattern and routine over the last week of, going to the library, get my work done. Also a really good pattern with filming on my content, which I kind of got really bad at towards the end of being at home there recently. Do you know what it is as well? The thing that makes me do everything is getting up and actually getting ready. I fall into this really bad pattern when I'm at home of getting up, going to the gym, coming back, eating breakfast, having a shower. And then I put my dressing going back on. And that is where I am feeling I need to start getting ready for the day, like doing my hair, putting a tiny bit of makeup on, getting proper outfit on. Even if it's literally to pop out of the house to get a coffee for half an hour, it makes me so much more productive. See the amount of stuff I get done compared to when I don't get ready for the day? It's insane. Yeah, so I low-key kind of want to stay in Leeds for that reason, but I actually need to go. Well, I don't need to. So I'm doing my let's backtrack here a wee bit. I study fashion marketing for anyone that doesn't know and I have chosen like the visual communications pathway for my final project and I'm doing like image making. You can go down different routes even within Viscom. So like you can do image making or film or you can do graphics and branding. You kind of literally pick whatever you want your final project to be. You can decide, like you could create a brand and do all their marketing or you could... i I can't even think of any other examples but basically mine is very much centered around irish brands and irish heritage and kind of contrasting the old with the new like really new funky brands versus oh my god i just got a notification to say i've got a dissertation one to one in an hour i completely forgot about that okay i i guess we've got an hour (laughs) um so what was i saying oh yeah so the the new funky irish brands versus like very old traditional ireland and obviously i can't shoot that in leeds i mean there probably are some things i could get away with maybe like oh i don't know maybe some countryside stuff where you know it kind of looks a bit irishy even like the english countryside looks so different especially in leeds it looks very different to irish countryside which people listening are probably like come on emma it's a field with cows but it's really not. If you've been to Yorkshire, you'll know the Yorkshire... The Yorkshire Dales and the countryside, it's all very, very different looking to Ireland. It's very hilly and mm, I don't know how to describe it, but I don't know that it would pass for Ireland. So anyway, my plan was originally to not... Well, to get a few shoots done before I came back to Leeds. I didn't end up getting that done because I was too busy focusing on other things. So then I was going to shoot it all at Easter which was gonna put me in a bit of a stressful situation to be honest, like putting all of that off until Easter and then if there was anything I wasn't happy with or needed to reshoot, it's like, when am I gonna do it after Easter? Am I gonna have to come home then as well? So I just decided, you know what? I'm gonna use this time where the strikes are on to go home and get this all shot and get it out of the way and it means I can spend the rest of the term getting it edited, seeing what I'm happy with, seeing what I need to reshoot when I do come home at Easter. And I feel like that way I just won't be half as stressed out. But I really need to keep up this routine that I've got going. So I'm holding myself to it. Anyone else listening, you should do the same. Get up every day. If you're a student, if you're self-employed, I know it's like so easy for people that have jobs where they get up and go into because you do this anyway. You get up and get ready and go. But yeah, if you're a student or you're self-employed, I'm telling you now, get up, get ready, get a shower, have your breakfast, Get ready for the day. Put an outfit on. Don't put your pyjamas or your joggers on. Put a bit of makeup on if that helps you feel like you're ready for the day. Actually do your hair. That's a big thing for me. You know what it's like having curly hair for any of my fellow curly haired queens. It's so easy to just stick it up in a messy bun and forget about it and just look like uh, just look like Hagrid and then you don't want to leave the house when you look like that. So that's what I'm going to do and I'm going to try and maybe use Queen's Library I don't know if that's possible. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to borrow someone's card. Who knows? I'm gonna try and make it work. Do you know what? That brings us into my recommendation of the week. That just has to be it because that has what has kept me alive. Not alive. Sorry, that was so over dramatic. That is what has kept me in a good routine for the last week. Is getting up and getting ready. I know it's so basic. I know you've probably heard it a million times, but that is my recognition of the week. I need to keep reminding myself of it when I fall out of that habit. What are my words of the week? Oh, I know what my words of the week are for this week. This episode, I mean, you'll already know what it's about from the title. I'm talking all about sober curiosity and alcohol. This is after reading the Sober Girl Society handbook. And there was a little line in it that I really liked that I highlighted in my Kindle. Let me just find it here okay so it was good mental health is not about being happy 24 7 but about how you process your emotions the girl who wrote the book millie Goode, she was saying this in relation to like using alcohol to suppress your emotions and things and saying about you know how they'll eventually resurface and she was basically saying you know like good mental health it doesn't come from being happy all the time not everyone is happy all the time that's so unrealistic but how you can establish better mental health is actually learning how to process your emotions and deal with them and not just like avoid and then allow them to resurface at, in another way at another time and make you feel even worse. So yeah, that's my words of the week. Shall we get into this week's podcast topic? I'm excited to talk about this. I feel like I've been wanting to do another episode talking about alcohol ever since I did my last one. Yeah, I just checked. So I did an episode back in July. I didn't actually realize it was that long ago called My Love-Hate Relationship with Alcohol. And I think I said on that episode, you know, that I was on a bit of a journey to kind of bettering my relationship with alcohol and kind of deciding how I want it to be in my life. That was kind of the very first, that was the very start of me becoming more, what's the word, conscious of it and like mindful of it. I don't think before that it actually even crossed my mind that I would ever choose to not drink in certain situations. I think I just thought, you know, that's just a part of life. I can't even remember what triggered this, to be honest, because I didn't read a book. Maybe it was a podcast. I actually don't know. And no, do you know what it was? It was just my mental health and how alcohol made me feel the next day. So yeah, seeing as we are, what, more than six months down the line since then, and also just after finishing the Sober Girl Society handbook, I figured we would go back to this topic and discuss it a little bit more. Let's start off by talking about the word alcoholic and alcoholism. They're such dirty words and I feel like everyone is so scared of them and they have such negative connotations. Like, we automatically have this stereotype of alcoholics of being, you know, people you see stumbling over on streets and not being able to have keep a job. Just being essentially a full-blown alcoholic to the point that it completely has ruined your life. But when you actually think about it, right? Like, we're all very willing to be, like, yeah, addicted to caffeine. Yeah, addicted to running, I don't know, whatever it is you're addicted to. Everyone's addicted to different things, let's be honest. And no one wants to say that they're addicted to alcohol. No one wants to admit it. But we all are. If you're sitting here right now thinking in your head you're getting a wee bit defensive about it, it's probably because you're addicted to alcohol as well. (laughs) And that's because it's so ingrained into our society. Like Everything centers around alcohol. Every event Whether it is you're getting married, engaged, whether you're getting divorced, whether you've just got a job, whether you lost a job, everything involves alcohol. We are so heavily reliant on it in every social situation, but we're all refusing to admit that it is ultimately a little bit of a problem. Actually, it's not just a little bit of a problem, it's a big problem. It's it's a huge problem at this point. And this, by the way, I'm just gonna clarify before we get any further into this conversation. The purpose of this podcast is not to, it's not to be like a judging, condescending voice about drinking alcohol. I obviously still drink alcohol (laughs) basically the purpose of this is not to be like it's not to demonize drinking alcohol and it's not to attack you so like don't listen to this and think I'm not I'm turning this off straight away because I still want to drink and I don't want to listen to this the purpose of this is to like analyze and maybe just come to terms a little bit more and like rethink how we view alcohol I don't know I think I just really want to like review where it sits in my life and how how I I don't want to have to depend on it essentially. I don't want to have to think you know that for me to be myself and for me to go out in social situations that I have to have a drink. First of all just because I feel like you should feel like you can be yourself without alcohol and I also think that you shouldn't have to suffer the consequences of I mean there's lots of people out there that don't get hangovers and I am very jealous of you. I wish I could be like that. But unfortunately, a lot of us get really bad hangovers and it can really affect your mental health and um, depression and anxiety can be really heavily induced by drinking the next day. And I don't want to have to think that every time I want to go out or I want to socialize or I want to go to this event or this wedding or whatever it is that I have to drink and then I have to suffer the consequences of that the next day. So yeah, that's the angle I'm kind of coming at with this podcast. And that's kind of the purpose of this. I'm not sitting here high and mighty in my sober throne (laughs) saying that no one should drink. That's not the case. And I very much understand that that probably will never be the case, at least in my lifetime anyway. And also, I'm not even sober. Like, does dry January once and now thinks she's a sober queen. (laughs) I literally have beers at the weekend. You get where I'm coming from. I feel like the sooner we can all admit that we are alcoholics... Now, we don't have to... Tar- if everyone hates this alcoholic word, you know, if it, it, it is, people are scared of the word alcoholic because of the connotations that come with it. If people are scared to use that, I don't know, what else can we call it? I'm out of suggestions. But the sooner we can admit that we are all pretty heavily dependent on alcohol the sooner we can actually get to the root of the problem instead of just being like no it's fine like brushing it under the carpet and passing off not drinking as being boring we're never gonna sort anything out by viewing it like that and by getting defensive about it the other week when I was home I said to my dad I was like he was pouring himself a glass of wine and it was a Wednesday or Thursday night and I thought I'm just going to say this out of badness, you know, when you just want to say something out of badness. And I knew it was good. It was going to make him like, I knew he was going to get really defensive, but it was kind of the reaction I was looking for. And I was just like, do you think you're an alcoholic? Because <laughs> this is when I was reading this book and he was like, oh, for fuck's sake, not another thing for you to get high and mighty about. Like first veganism and But that's just where we are at as a society. We do get defensive about it and we almost turn into like grumpy teenagers when anyone questions our alcohol consumption and start to get defensive and grumpy and how dare you say I have an issue with alcohol and almost wanting to do the thing more. Like you know when you're a little teenager and someone tells you not to do something and it makes you want to do that thing even more. It's literally like that. Do you know what's also really weird and this was touched on in the book is the fact that For some reason, when you're labeled as an alcoholic, you have this label stuck to you your whole life, which just seems a bit bizarre, like compared to any other thing. Let's say, take my parents and a lot of other people's parents who were, you know, big smokers in the past. It was so normal to be, to smoke like 20 cigs a day or 10 cigs a day, whatever it was. So they were what? What do you call it? Smokeaholics? Is that the word? What do you say if you're addicted to smoking? I don't even know. Anyway, now that they've given up smoking, when was that, 20 years ago? They aren't still known as being addicted to smoking. They're not still known as smokeaholics. You take someone that is branded as an alcoholic... 20 years down the line, they've been sober, they haven't had a sip of alcohol in 20 years. Why do we still call them an alcoholic? Why do we still say they're sober and they're an alcoholic? Can they never escape from this label? Like, surely that person is way less of an alcoholic than anyone else around them currently if they haven't had a drink in 20 years. And it seems to be the only, like, it's so ingrained into our culture to the point that people ask you why. You know, if you're saying you're not drinking in a certain situation, or in a certain place, whatever it is, after work drinks, at a wedding, whatever, wherever you are, if you tell the people around you that you're not drinking and you'll have a soft drink, the amount of questions you will get about that and the amount of people that will say, will try and egg you on to have one, let's flip the narrative here, let's imagine this is smoking. Do you ever ask someone why they don't smoke? No. <laughs> Do you ever encourage someone to come out for a cigarette with you who doesn't smoke? No. (laughs) I don't know. I just think it's so strange how we're like this with alcohol. Like we are so obsessed with it. And ultimately it is a drug. We're very quick to try and separate the two. You know, in school you always learn about drugs and alcohol. Alcohol is a drug. Let's not kid ourselves. (laughs) It very much is a drug. But we almost categorize it completely differently because... We don't want to believe that we're consuming something regarded as a drug as often as we do. But let's be real. Something that is fucking us up that much on the night and the next day. Oh, it's not good for us, is it? When I deep it, I'm like, that is poison we're putting into our bodies. That scares me. Do you know what's so ironic as well? The whole, like, we're obsessed with wellness and health now you know the wellness and health industry has boomed we're obsessed with it with fitness with eating organic foods veganism you know that whole industry is just like on another level now and we're so conscious of our health in so many different ways and we'll also do all these things to like tackle getting a hangover we'll make sure we're drinking baraka drinking rehydration sachets We are eating a meal before we go out that has carbs in it. Maybe drinking water in between each drink. Doing all these things to ensure that you don't necessarily get the worst hangover. Instead of just actually looking at alcohol and thinking, maybe we shouldn't really be drinking this. I don't know. Like, maybe it's not that good for us. But instead, I think we'd all just rather turn a blind eye for some reason so we can just continue with our habits and continue to try and negate the things that come with drinking alcohol instead of getting to the root of the problem which is drinking alcohol there's even like natural and organic wines now low calorie tonics I don't know I feel like natural tequila is a thing is it I don't know I feel like anything is a thing these days (laughs) but yeah we're kind of doing everything to sidestep actually looking at alcohol as being not like not that great for us like it kind of reminds me I know I keep going back to smoking and I'm sorry if it's really annoying but like it kind of reminds me of the way that smoking used to be such a big thing where they were able to advertise for it even doctors recommended it you know there was all these bougie packaging and different flavors it's kind of like that like that's the way alcohol has gone where you can get all these fancy bottles and there's advertising for it everywhere and celebrity endorsements but then look what happens to the tobacco industry And now you can't advertise for it. They put disgusting photos on the front of it to put you off it. They're not allowed to have branded packaging. And I just wonder, I do feel like at some point, now I don't know if this is going to be in my lifetime, but I do feel like eventually the government are going to have to look at the effects of alcohol. I know they benefit a lot from it. I know they make a lot of money off of tax from alcohol. So they're probably not on a huge rush to look at this. However, I do think at some point they probably will have to look at it and maybe treat it similar to the way they now treat tobacco and have to cut all the marketing stuff and the branded things and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Something tells me in my head that that will eventually happen. And look, I'm not being a big buzzkill, being like, ah, they should get rid of all the fancy bottles and all this. Like, I don't necessarily want that to happen. This is the thing, I love and hate alcohol. Like I said in my last podcast, I have a love-hate relationship with it. I love a good cocktail, I love a good IPA. I am not an alcohol hater and I'm not making this podcast as an alcohol hater and I hope you all know that. But is it not a matter of time before this happens? I don't know. Surely with the effects that it has, not only on, like not only physical effects, which I'm not really going to get into because I can't really be bothered like citing all the i mean maybe i'll get into that in a little bit and talk about some more actual scientific facts about it but for right now we're just discussing things okay but yeah the physical effects it has on people then like the mental effects it has on people and also then the effect it has on society like what people like what drunken people do and then also like how it costs us in terms of like on the nhs and yeah everything that kind of comes with it i don't know are they not gonna have to look at that maybe oh i don't know Or maybe they'll just continue to turn a blind eye to it. And look, I'm not against the marketing of alcohol. In fact, I'd be pretty open to market alcohol myself. (laughs) I don't think it's the marketing that is the issue. Although some marketing is a little bit problematic, I will say. Like some marketing that, you know, is targeted at... I remember reading in the book actually that there was a gin that was called fuckboy tears or something along those lines and it was basically a gin for you know when you were going through a breakup and it was like warning don't drink too much or you might text your ex or something like that and I think you know marketing like that can be a little bit problematic where you're encouraging people to drink in situations where alcohol is actually going to make them worse and you're kind of normalizing the narrative of drink when you're feeling down. I don't think that's like a good habit to get into to reach for the bottle when you are either stressed or feeling down. So maybe there just needs to be a bit more regulation around stuff like that. But it is, you know, alcohol has gone from being something that was just consumed by men originally years and years back to now being very glamorized every celebrity is seen with the margarita in hand and you know in sex in the city they're all really glamorous shopping cool girls that go for their i've never watched sex in the city by the way i'm just giving an example of something i feel like they are always kind of pictured with you always hear about them with their what is it they always drink cosmo no what is that thing called that sometimes they put an olive in it why has the name skipped my head anyway they're always pictured with a cocktail everything about drink is kind of like about being cool in a way let's just say it again the exact same way that smoking was put to us as being really cool like the way they smoked in Greece and everyone was really cool do you see how it's all it's literally the same thing it's just repeating itself within a different product within a different drug Okay, let's move on from talking about marketing. I'm bored of that. (laughs) I wanna talk a bit more about like my relationship with alcohol. Okay, so should we backtrack a little bit? Yeah, I guess we'll backtrack a little bit for anyone that didn't listen to the previous episode about this. Just like everyone probably listening to this, I have had various stages of, like different stages of a relationship. What what am I saying? Sorry. (laughs) Like everyone listening to this, will I be able to get my words so right this time, I have had differing relationships with alcohol throughout my years. So does that make sense? So right now, no, not, let's not talk about it right now, let's go back first. Obviously, you know, m- maybe not everyone's the same, but I feel like in Ireland, Northern Ireland, Belfast anyway, people do start to drink quite young. So I would say probably from the age of, what, 13, 14? God, that sounds so young now when you actually think about it. Like, when I think of people I know, like families I know that have 13-year-olds, I'm like, surely they're not drinking. That is insane. But anyway, that is the reality. We were probably all drinking from when we were 13, 14. So that was kind of like a regular every weekend thing. And it started from then. And, you know, you really don't take a weekend off unless you're grounded or... I don't know. Yeah, you probably drank pretty much. You probably drank pretty solidly every weekend from the age of 14 until, I don't know, whenever you, whenever you stop drinking every weekend, I guess. Then you finish school. Some people go to uni. Some people get a job. Some people, I don't know what the fuck everyone does, but now you're not bounded by the Monday to Friday of school and you're also over the age of 18 so technically you can i mean no one's gonna be showing up drunk to work but technically you can drink whenever you want there's nothing to stop you for the first time from going to the pub on a monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday night and saturday and sunday of course you can drink whenever the fuck you want and that is why partly why there's such a big drinking culture at university Because, you know, you don't have Monday to Friday, 9am starts. Well, earlier than that, actually, if you have to be in school for then. You don't have parental supervision all the time. You can go wild. You can go as wild as your little heart desires. I obviously didn't go to uni. Well, I did for two months, but you know, that doesn't really count. Um, I mean, I did have the uni experience, I guess, within those two months slightly, but I also was really mentally unwell. So, but I guess that's also part of the uni experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still had my uh, time of drinking and having that, those years of going wild. Just for me, it wasn't at university. It was when I was traveling and when I was working in a bar in Australia drinking every single day like that's not even a word of allowed probably I'm gonna say four to seven days a week and even on days where I'm saying I wasn't drinking I probably was having a pint or two in those days realistically so yeah I just feel like everyone's had that stage no matter what you ended up doing after school I mean if you haven't fair fucks to you you're a better person than a lot of us it doesn't make you a bad person for going through that phase I feel like it's a not a rite of passage, but it's just part of... It's part of growing up, but maybe that's the problem. Now that I say that out loud, that sounds really bad, doesn't it? The rite of passage to go out and get paralytic every night. Hmm, destroy our bodies. Nice. <laughs> Fuck. Honestly, the more and more I deep this, the more it freaks me out. This is the issue, is that sometimes things like these, you are actually better staying... Oh no, you're not always. Sometimes you're better staying naive, but... I'm just not the type of person that stays naive to situations. I'm very much an overthinker. If there's anything to be overthought, even if there's nothing to be overthought, I will overthink it. <laughs> Sometimes it's not a good way to be. And right now, my hyperfixation is on alcohol. Anyway, let's move on. So where was I? Oh yeah, talking about drinking every night. Do uh, you know what though? At that stage of my life, I'm probably... Like a lot of other people, when you're kind of going through that phase of drinking all the time and at university or doing whatever you're doing, you don't really get hangovers. You're really not, although, mm, I don't know, I think you do suffer the consequences a little bit in terms of your mental health. But you definitely, it doesn't affect your whole day like it does to me now you probably would be able to get up and go and do things. And if you had a class at 10 o'clock, you'd be able to make it for that. Whereas there's not a fucking chance I would be doing anything the next day after drinking now. So realistically, because at that stage in your life, you're not getting the downside of it. You know, you kind of are just, "Mm." okay, you are experiencing the good side of it in terms of you are having fun. However, that also comes with a lot of reckless things and decisions that, you know, you do end up regretting and you do get anxiety from. And although, yeah, you're still able to get up and go to class, uh, you, are, you can end up being quite regretful and anxious about things that happen when you drink too much. So let's not forget about that side of it. However, I don't think at that stage there's much to, to put you off drinking because the positives are outweighing the negatives at that point in your life. There is no real, there's no real motive for you to stop drinking at that point. It never crossed my mind once. Why would I have ever wanted in that headspace to stop drinking? It was so fun for me. I was, you know, having the best time in Australia, working in a bar, drinking while I was working, on my days off drinking in other bars with my friends. I never once considered cutting back a knuckle. That was just not in my it just wasn't in my view like that was not something that ever that thought did not enter my mind for one second. I don't know when that really started to enter my mind to be honest like I can't really I'd say it's the same for a lot of you guys like if you think the same way as me naughty, you can't really put your finger on when it changed. I guess it's a bit of a gradual process uh, when the negatives just kind of slowly start creeping up and just kind of you know overweighing the positives and before you know it it's like really unbalanced. I think maybe part of it also came down to the fact that I was working weekends like as a makeup artist and being self-employed and having to you know organize my own books like you can't write you can maybe show up if you work in an office You can maybe show up after your Thursday work drinks a little bit hungover and it's a bit of a laugh and everyone in the office can like chat about the funny stories from the night before and get through the day together, you know, drinking tea, cup of tea after a cup of coffee. And yeah, you you reach the weekend and you're grand. See, when you're self-employed, it's such a bad reflection on you to ever not be full form when you're working. The last thing I would want to ever do To any client, would be to show up hungover and not, first of all, not be myself and not be able to converse and engage with them the way I would with my clients. And second of all, not do as good of a job. No, I've never had that where I wouldn't have done as good as a job. Like, I'd hope that, well, I would just never put myself in that situation. But, like, I don't know, would being hungover affect how you do makeup? I don't know. Anyway, it's not something I really have to think about now. I don't really take makeup clients anymore. Although maybe I would like to start doing that again. I don't know. Anyway, I'm veering off topic here. (laughs) What I'm getting at is that I think that's maybe what initiated me being a little bit more mindful about drinking was the fact that I did work weekends and I did have to be conscious of that. And then obviously a lot of my friends, I do have some friends that actually that's a lie. I don't have that many friends that are similar to me in terms of their working hours and times. But a lot of my friends do work Monday to Friday. So they are just free to drink at the weekends. And as a result, aren't drinking during the week. So it meant I didn't have anyone to drink with during the week. So kind of by default, I was kind of forced, I guess, to be a bit more mindful with drinking. And then I'm not really sure what the tip on the iceberg was. Wait, do you know what? I always say phrases wrong. And I listen back when I'm editing and I'm like, wow, you really fucked that phrase, Emma. Tip of the iceberg. That's saying, isn't it? <laughs> I just always fuck up those little sayings and I'll, I'll say like one word wrong in it uh, and I'm really conscious that I've said something wrong in that but I don't think I have. Anyway, irrelevant. I'm not sure at what point I really started to reconsider my relationship with alcohol, I guess. Do you know what it was actually? I think it was because when I moved to Leeds for uni, I started experiencing hangovers in in a whole different way and it was because I was spending them on my own in a student house so now all of a sudden I'm not only getting bad hangovers in terms of physically I feel bad and mentally I feel bad now I'm also isolated in my room on my own No family, no dog, no um, music to come down to playing in the morning, like radio playing and, you know, your family cooking up a fry and none of that, your boyfriend lying in your bed. No, just you isolated in your room on the top floor. Maybe no one else in your house was out with you, you were out with other people. So, you know, everyone else is out getting on with their shit and you are stuck in your bedroom in the pits. The absolute pits. No, it gives me the fear thinking about it. It genuinely terrifies me thinking about it. So I started having sober weekends in Leeds because I started thinking, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm actually not doing it to myself. It takes me two to three days, two to three working days to recover. I end up spending a fortune on Uber Eats because I'm a bundle of depression and anxiety and can't even make myself go downstairs to put a fucking bit of toast on and heat up some soup. Like, all I want to do is crawl up in a ball and die and cry. (laughs) Cry myself to death. That sounds so sinister. And it's because it is. And it was. But ultimately, alcohol is a depressant. Like, there's no arguing that. It is scientifically known as a depressant. It quite literally makes you depressed it brings on the you know the symptoms that come with depression and anxiety and I know there's this myth and I have you know I've definitely said this to loads of people before this myth about tequila not being a depressant tequila is a depressant I don't know where the fuck that myth has come from and I know we all like to tell ourselves that it is true and I would love to believe that it is true but after looking into it I have discovered it is definitely not true it doesn't mean a margarita tastes any less good. It still is the most elite cocktail, you know? I'm not taking that away from it, but it's definitely not not a depressant. Anyway, sober weekends, I think, were what I needed to maybe realize that I don't have to drink at the weekend. Uh, I started being able, because by default, because I was like, fuck, I'm not putting myself in that situation, because I do not want to live like that on my own so by default I, ha- I had to experience these sober weekends and obviously then by default you're making other plans and doing other things and being productive in other ways and stuff and socializing in other ways as well and I think they really then taught me that I didn't have to drink and that I actually really enjoyed myself and I enjoyed waking up fresh on a Saturday and a Sunday and I enjoyed starting my Monday knowing that I got everything done and I wasn't depressed as fuck, essentially. (laughs) So that kind of kick-started me on this. I'm I'm gonna call it the sober curious journey. I just wanna put it out there. I don't think I will ever be sober. And I don't think that you have to strive for that as well. Like everyone is gonna have a different relationship with alcohol and everyone is gonna aim to have a different type of relationship with alcohol. Do you know what I mean? Like for some people their version of a healthy relationship with alcohol is drinking at the weekend because that's cutting down from drinking five days a week. And for some people, a healthy relationship with alcohol is going completely sober. For me, I don't think I necessarily have to go completely sober. I'm That's not what I'm striving for. And I want to give myself the flexibility to be able to drink if I want to drink. Like I don't want to have to say that I'm sober. And there are like there's loads of occasions like when I was reading that Girl Society handbook there was so many occasions she was talking about where she was like giving you tips and I was kind of reading it and being like to be honest I wouldn't want to have to not drink in that situation like yes I'd like to be able to drink more mindfully and I'd like to not have to think that I have to drink and that I'm dependent on drinking and that to be myself I have to drink or to go to that event I have to drink but that doesn't mean that I don't necessarily want to be able to have Like I want to be able to have a drink in some situations and that's completely fine. Everyone's striving for a different relationship with alcohol. Some people don't care and they don't want to change their relationship with alcohol and that's okay. So then last June, I went off and did my yoga teacher training. And obviously for that month was not drinking at all. Do you know what? It didn't cross my mind. Drinking didn't cross my mind once just because, first of all, you're completely out of your own environment and of your like it's not like my friends were texting me being like do you want to come out tonight you know that was just completely out of the question i was doing my yoga teacher training there was no ifs or buts or boyd it i wasn't drinking to be honest if i wanted a beer or i wanted any drink of any kind i probably wouldn't have even been able to get it rishikesh in india is a very holy city and i don't think you'd be i'm pretty sure alcohol is illegal i didn't see it once anywhere in any shop any restaurant nowhere I came home from that trip and I have never felt better in my whole life. Obviously, that's not just down to not drinking. There was a lot of other things that I was doing on that trip that were contributing to that. For example, doing hours of yoga every day and meditating every day. Like, obviously, even if I was drinking, I'd still feel better from those things alone. However, I came back and I just felt so, I had so much clarity. I was so at peace with myself. I was so—it sounds stupid, like how a month of teacher training, yoga teacher training, could do this. But I genuinely felt so content, and I thought I was gonna finish the month and come home and be dying for a drink and dying for a night out and all this dying to you know go out and dance and go to loads of pubs, go out for loads of food. And I genuinely just came home and I was just so at peace with myself, and I felt no urge to do any of that and it was kind of the first time I'd felt that anytime before where I'd not drank for a week by the time it would get to then like say I was skipping a weekend right so I was drinking every other weekend by the time it would get to that second weekend where it was time for me to drink essentially I was dying for a drink like I was so ready for that to be the drinking weekend whereas this was the first time where I'd had the break and been like okay I'm actually not in a rush to get back to this lifestyle. Like I'm very content as it is. And kind of ever since then, I'm not going to lie, it has kind of flipped the whole thing for me. It's gone from me being really excited to drink after periods of not drinking to now it feeling like a little bit of a chore. Not in every scenario there are some cases like you know nights out over Christmas where I was really excited to see everyone again or I don't know just certain times where you are excited to drink. That feeling has not lost me completely at all like there definitely are still those times and events and everything and I'm sure that will continue the rest of my life. However there are a lot of times where to me it does start feeling like a chore now um, I think that does mainly come down to the fact that I know how it's going to affect me the next day. I think what also happens when you say you do, let's say you just did dry January or sober October or whatever it was. In that time, you do make more of an effort to do other things because you're not drinking. I mean, I didn't really, to be honest, in January because I feel like January is such a hibernation month for me. Like It's freezing cold. It's right after Christmas. I feel like it's just rest and hibernation season in January, to be honest. Even take, like, when I was in London there at the weekend, I was making so much more of an effort to go out and to do things in London during the day and to get up early and go and do these things I wanted to do and go to these shops and these places I wanted to see. And it was because I actually had that in me because I wasn't hungover and because. I knew I had the time because I didn't have to get ready to go out and I didn't have to worry, I didn't have to schedule in time for a lie-in because I was out late the night before, all this. And once you start doing those things, say for example, right, in January there, when I was doing dry January, I was going to yoga like three times a week, every Saturday and Sunday, and then usually, not always, but some most of the time, uh, also a class during the week. I was going to the gym twice a week. I was on top of all my content. I was on top of my podcast. I was cooking really good meals. I was experimenting with food a lot because I wasn't like craving junk food all the time like you do when you're drinking. And I just felt so, it's sounds stupid, I felt so me. I felt like I'd find my, my flow, I guess. Like I'd find... It's like it gives you this whole other perspective to see life as not something to run and hide from and avoid by drinking alcohol, but to actually work at and do the things that you love to create a life where you don't necessarily need to drink. You know, I've always said when I was younger, I've literally been saying this from such a young age, which is mad now. And when I actually think about it too much, I start tearing up. Like I actually cried about this recently. I've been saying this from such a young age where I... I've always looked at people, people that really hated their jobs and really lived for the weekend and for letting loose in that time and drinking or people that hated their jobs but worked just to go on holiday, to go on fabulous holidays. And that's fine if you want to live that life. That I I'm not telling you that you shouldn't live your life that way. If that's how you enjoy life and working hard is just a way of getting holidays in for you and for living for the weekend. No one should ever tell you to not live your life that way if if that's what works for you. However, I've always looked at that and thought, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to be miserable waiting for the weekend. I don't want to be miserable waiting for my next holiday. That is not a life I want to live. I want to wake up on a Monday morning and be happy to be doing what I'm doing and look not everyone's gonna love their job don't listen to what i just said and think fuck i need to be, i need to have to love my job that's not what i mean you can love what you're doing as in love what you're doing in life like yeah maybe you wake up on a monday morning and there's a bit of dread because you've got to get up and go into the office and you know your coworkers are pissing you off at the minute you didn't get enough sleep last night whatever it is but you can still think at the end of the day, that you still love whatever you're doing because you're doing things you like, whether that's before work, whether that's after work, whether that's conversations you're having with your friends, whether it's relationships you're building or working on you. Like it doesn't have to be work. So, you know, don't listen to what I'm saying and think that, You need to be obsessed with your job. Not everyone is going to have that luxury. You can still find purpose and meaning within your job. But you also don't have to do that. You can do that outside of your work. Like your life is so much more than your work. However, what I am saying is that what... I was going to say sobriety, but I can't say sobriety because I'm not sober. (laughs) What taking a step back from alcohol has done for me has allowed me to work on my life and develop a life that... I am obsessed with and that I love and that makes me happy and that doesn't rely on waiting for the weekend and going out getting blocked waking up the next day healing yourself because all of a sudden you've got first of all you've got time that was spent going out and being hungover to spend doing different things second of all you've got money to spend, see them with the amount of money you save from not drinking. I used to feel guilty about paying ten pounds to go to a yoga class because I'd think, "Oh, I've spent too much money on drinking this weekend. I can't be spending ten pounds to go to a yoga class." When I would have absolutely no problem paying ten plus pounds for one single cocktail. How fucked up is that? So it gives you money to do things that you weren't necessarily doing and to explore avenues that you haven't and you know, potentially find new hobbies and interests that you would have never even had the opportunity to try before because you were too busy spending your weekends drinking. If you, like me a while back, find that you, there's so many things you want to do but for some reason you just never are able to try it and you're never able to complete things and you get really frustrated at yourself like, I always wanted to be a reader but I could never get into it too much because I could never dedicate the time to it because I was always busy doing other things and I always wanted to try pole dancing and you know I always wanted to go to yoga every Saturday and Sunday morning all these little things if you find the same as me that you were just like not being able to do it yourself honestly taking a step back from alcohol all of a sudden you'll be able to do all of these things I'm telling you now Do you know what the main issue though that I have with all of this and I'm still really trying to wrap my head around it. I was having a conversation with my friend about this on Saturday night in London because he was kind of saying the same thing, you know, where he is drinking a lot less and trying to be a bit more mindful about when he does drink and I was talking to him about how alcohol and that kind of fun party side of us is very inextricably linked to our personalities. And what I have a really hard time dealing with is the fact that am I now just letting that side of myself go? Like, am I now going to be the boring one that only wants to go out once a month? Or can I still be fun? I, I don't know. I'm really trying to tackle this issue within my own head because part of me still wants to be this fun, outgoing person and live up to that, well, just, and be that personality that I consider myself to be, but... Is a lot of that linked to drinking? I don't know. Yeah, probably in a sense. But can I be that person without it? I really want to challenge myself to, you know, still go to social situations and not have to rely so heavily on drinking to be a certain way. I guess I can expand more on that in another episode because we're getting pretty lengthy here. (laughs) I didn't realise this would take me so long to talk about and I literally didn't cover, like I took so many notes from that book about different stats and things that I haven't got through whatsoever. I mean, I could sit here and get into the whole nitty gritty of, you know, its effects on your brain and your fertility and, you know, your chance of getting dementia and your chance of getting cancer. Like there is obviously a lot of things that alcohol is linked to. And also what I did discover was that it doesn't take a lot for alcohol to be, for it to affect those things, which is really crazy. Like some, oh, let me find the stop because this actually really, really blew my mind. Like the fact that we're not really told this is quite crazy. Where is it? Oh yes, okay. So researchers from Harvard University find that drinking more than six units a week, which is about three small glasses of wine, can reduce a woman's chance of conceiving by 18%. Like what? What the fuck? Why has no one told me that before? Not that I want to have a kid, but... (laughs) Like, three glasses a week, that is nothing. You drink that in two hours on a Saturday night. But yeah, I'll not bore you with any more stats and numbers and things. We all know alcohol isn't great for us. We all know it's linked to a lot of diseases and mental health issues. What I will say, though, is that there is a lot of research how cutting back and drinking moderately can still be really good for you. Like you don't have to go sober to necessarily experience, well, how do I describe this? Obviously you're not going to experience sobriety by not going sober. That's not what I'm saying. But there, you know, if you do cut back and you are more mindful and you do drink more moderately, it can still have a lot of better effects on you than, not better effects because it's obviously not better than being sober. But you get what I'm saying. It's not going to be as bad for you as drinking heavily. I think the main thing for everyone should be that, you know, drinking is fine. Drinking is fun in a lot of occasions and times in your life. It's not always a bad thing. So establishing a relationship where alcohol doesn't cause chaos in your life and basically works in a way that like, you know, doesn't damage your life, doesn't damage your relationships, doesn't damage your health, doesn't damage your, well, actually that's a bit of a paradox really, isn't it? Alcohol is going to damage your health. I don't know how to say this. Everyone's relationship with alcohol is going to be different. And as long as you can make your relationship with alcohol be one that isn't bringing chaos and a lot of damage to your life, I guess that's what we should aim for. For some people, drinking in moderation or cutting back is actually harder than Just going sober. You know, for really all or nothing people where being more mindful about drinking, sometimes that just takes up way too much space mentally, and all you're doing is just thinking about when you're next going to drink and that's going to have a blowout and worried about when that's going to happen. If you're like that, maybe sobriety would be easier for you, but who am I to tell you that? Do you know what I mean? You need to kind of work these things out for yourself. I'd say from summer, last summer there, up until Christmas, I was in a good habit of drinking every other week and. Then obviously Christmas came and you know what Christmas is like, Christmas, New Year period, it's fucking chaotic and there's literally alcohol involved every night. I was still good though in that compared to other Christmases, I was having more nights where I was like drinking 0% things and stuff. That's actually when I first started trying them. And I think now for the new year, well, just moving forward, this is where I'm at now is that I kind of want to have like one night drinking a month, which for some people Sounds crazy, and you'll think, oh, How on earth are you gonna do that? And for other people, you'll think, Why not just go sober? I don't know. You can have your opinions about it, but I'm in a headspace currently where I just think that's kind of like, That's good for me. It's not gonna leave me craving a drink because I'm still gonna have my night out a month and I can still go on nights out and not get drunk, but where I can still look forward to it and I don't have to cut myself off completely. I don't know, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's not really that important, but that's where my head's at right now. That's not to say that any of you should do the same, you know, as I said. Do whatever the fuck you want, drink as much as you want. I'm just here to talk about it and tell you where my head's at and what I've been thinking because I overthink everything, as we have all discovered. (laughs) I think we're all well aware of that by now. One thing I will tell you to do, though... I'm not telling you that you have to follow any of the things that I'm doing, but I will say that you actually really should, if you haven't already, start trying 0% things because that is what really opened my eyes to this whole, like, I don't know, because a lot of the time you do reach for a drink, it's not even because you want to get drunk. It is just because of the habit of how we've been taught to deal with a lot of things and how we've been taught to deal with stress and with emotions and also just habits of what you do at the weekend and how you socialize. There's a lot of reasons why we drink, but a lot of the time we don't drink to get drunk. We drink out of habit. And in those cases, if you can switch to 0% things and you can find the 0% beers and the 0% wines and the 0% spirits that you like, automatically you'll cut down drastically It's such an easy move and it's actually so fun testing them all out. I've had the most fun time finding all the different ones I like and experimenting with them all. It's like when I went vegan and I was like trying all the new meats and stuff. It's all so exciting. It's like the same thing. But yeah, I think that's enough for me. I think I've definitely (laughs) said enough. I did have a lot more to say where that came from. I'm just looking up my notes here from that book and I have a lot more to say. So I'm sure I'll come back to this topic at another stage I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I really hope that it didn't come across as like preachy or anything. That's literally the last thing I would want. You all know I'm a big avid alcohol lover, so that's really not what I'm trying to be. Like I'm not trying to be a preachy anti-alcohol person whatsoever. Yeah, I just kind of want to open up the conversation. I think we all need to just start admitting that we're alcoholics essentially. But yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, don't forget to give me a little five-star review on Spotify. Also, swipe up and vote on this week's poll and leave a little comment. Share it with your friends, with your family, on your Instagram stories. Big shout out to George Gill for my intro and outro music. I will leave his links and details in the description. As always, thank you all so much for your continued love and support on the podcast. I hope you all have a lovely week and I will speak to you next week. Bye!